everyone. Welcome to the inaugural AI Lewis Bridges Boy podcast, Skate to the Puck. You've heard it right. It's called Skate to the Puck. I'm joined here by my partner in crime, if you will, Darren Watts. And we're also joined by Mary Smilgelski, a partner in Chicago, and Josh Cantro, another partner in Chicago. They were so kind to invite us to their last BIPA podcast that Darren and I had to return the favor and invite them to our inaugural AI podcast. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for inviting us. Great to be here. So we're in Chicago. We talked about in our last podcast talking about Chicago sports teams and whether they're, you know, their current state of affairs. And I married into a Blackhawk family. When we were trying to figure out what we were going to name this, Darren and I had come up with this idea of a famous Wayne Gretzky quote, which is skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been. Um, and hopefully the Blackhawks are doing that this year. I haven't been keeping up. But what I think that goes to the heart of the issue is, you know, companies and individuals are so concerned or enamored with AI, but it's changing so fast. They just get overwhelmed with understanding what the legal implications are and how they should interpret them. And I was just in a speaking at a symposium, the OpenAI Symposium in Boca Raton at Florida Atlantic University. And I was there with scientists, boards of directors of other companies. And most of the questions were from the audience were legal related. I was talking about the current legal landscape and people wanted to know where that puck is going to go. And so I'm just going to tee it up real quick. I think we can know where that puck is going to go by looking at laws that we already have, but also utilizing our resources that we have at Lewis Brisbane to tell our clients where that puck may be going in the future. And so, Darren, I don't know if you want to talk about that piece. Yeah, sure, sure. And I, I think you're right about that. Where the existing laws can be a hint about where the law, where things may be going in the short term, where the plaintiff's bar, maybe state attorneys general or other folks who want to do something now can figure out a way to do something. But if you want to know where it's really going, I think you have to look at the White House, the Congress, look, look at what's happening at the federal level and at the state level. Uh, and you'll even see some action at the local level right now. Uh, but of course, there's also the international level because the EU has their own approach, which often can be different than the Washington approach. But in Washington right now, you see the White House trying to take the lead and to proceed in a manner where they are acknowledging the extraordinary potential for uh, for promise and, 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 and to do things that society really needs through AI. And they want to harness that. They want to nurture that and support that. At the same time, they know that there are great risks with AI and they want to manage those risks. So what they're trying to do is, is a balancing act right now. So they're proceeding with caution. They're working with industry. They're working with concerned citizens, nonprofits to develop a consensus. And you will have seen that in a lot of different actions this year where they're trying to show leadership, but they're showing restraint. They're doing a lot of studying and learning because the bottom line is we really don't know. Yeah, and I guess that's, uh, that's, the really, <laughs> that's the really concerning part. You talk to any data scientists, you talk to scientists that are in the field, these large language models, they know the input, they know the data that's going in, and then the output, they can't really explain what's going on in that little black box, if you will, that visual black box and the hallucinations, et cetera. But I want to ask Mary and Josh, you guys are in the, in the employment realm, right? Absolutely. 
are you getting questions from clients about this? Are you seeing, are, are, are people asking you about AI? Are your clients asking you about this? We are getting more and more questions in this area. So um, I've been practicing employment law now for about 30 years, which I'm at loathe to tell people. But since I went to college with Darren, he already knows that. (laughs) Um, But over the years, whenever there's been a new type of technology, businesses want to run with it. They don't want to walk. They want to run because they want the competitive advantage. So it is not different with AI and companies are looking at how can they use it? How can they make their employee population more efficient? How can they make more money? All of these different issues, you know, that come from our capitalistic society, they're looking at it. But as you say, we don't have the answers. The CEOs don't have the answers. When they say, oh, do this, use AI, figure that out. You have people in corporations who don't have the scientific background, who don't have the legal background, and they just have a mandate from a CEO. So off they go. And I think that that's where, you know, the lawyers come into play. I think, Sean, that's why you got so many questions, because it is critical to have somebody with that legal background who can advise as best you can. Similar to how Josh and I have been advising on BIPA for years, even before the, you know, latest thousands of lawsuits got filed in Illinois. Right. It it reminds me of the days when we were advising on BIPA prior to any guidance whatsoever from the Illinois Supreme Court or, frankly, even uh, intermediate appellate courts. And we were just in this kind of brave new world where we had this statute that could be interpreted different ways. So I think that our clients want guidance, they want answers, but it's, it's very hard to provide anything definitive right now. And I think that's where we can, that leads greatly to what is out there, right? And so we, we did a client alert on Biden's executive order, and that executive order about uh, AI governance, AI responsibility. And what we've been telling clients is, look, that executive order applies to the federal agencies, but you can use that blueprint for the federal agencies. And why is that blueprint important? Because the federal government's the largest employer in the United States, 2.2 million employees. And the Office of Personal Management just also released a memo saying how they're going to implement that executive order. And one of the key pieces, which I think is interesting, is in addition to implementing the executive order, it talks about uh, agencies need chief AI compliance officers. And it also says that the government needs to test their case inventories, which is another uh, phrase for basically the data sets that they're going to use that trains these large language models. And they need to make sure that the training of the AI systems remove bias, that there's no bias. And it also says you have to ensure cybersecurity. So you have AI compliance officer, you got to make sure your data is clean data, you got to make sure that the biases are out of the data. And you have to have cybersecurity. So yeah, that's all easy, right? That's that's all going to be <laughs> <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> um, and so I think that's the start of the blueprint for a lot of these companies um, to go with. But let me let me ask you guys this. Let me let me see if if you think this is 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 right. Before you had the Supreme Court precedent on um, BIPA, what I've also been telling companies besides the blueprint from the A- executive order, you know how plaintiffs bars are going to 
react to this. Indeed, we've seen, we mentioned this on our last podcast, plaintiff attorneys suing um, these companies for data scraping uh, and not getting consent. And I think if you have, if you consider these AI uh, large language models as products, you get into tort law, right? And if these pro- if these large language models have bias or have discrimination or do something wrong, you're gonna have plaintiffs saying, you you know you had a uh, a product that was defective, you didn't fix it, you knew about it, and we suffered damages. I mean, do you think that? I know you guys are not tort lawyers, but do you think that makes sense to look at it that way? Well, I, I do think it makes sense. And uh, way back in the day, I uh, was a tort lawyer with well, there consumer you go. Yeah. Uh, products. Um, but I, I do think that it makes sense to look at it from that perspective. And I think companies need to examine what they're doing and keep in mind that they need to be setting up the best defense possible recognizing that we don't know the entire landscape. That's exactly what we've been instructing them to do on BIPA and exactly what, you know, we instruct them to do on various other laws or issues that come up. You can't know everything, but what you can do is to be a good corporate citizen, which means protecting your employees as well as protecting the consumers. And that means protecting their data and looking out for the bias that could be inherent in there. So there's that. And I also look at this from a professional malpractice standpoint to the extent that lawyers, accountants, all sorts of different professionals, uh, architects and engineers, you could go on and on and on, are using AI products as part of their delivery of services. And there is some problem with the AI you've got a whole host of professional negligence issues that could arise as well. I mean, I think AI could touch so many areas of law, including ones that we're probably not even thinking of right now. Oh, without a doubt. As I go down and look at all the different congressional committees that are looking at this, those are the committees that have jurisdiction over different sectors of society, different industries. In the Senate, besides the Commerce and Science Committee, You've got the Intelligence Committee, the Homeland Security Committee, the Judiciary Committee, uh, which is also about IP, the Banking Committee, the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, Armed Services, Ag, Foreign Affairs, Aging, and Energy and Natural Resources are all holding hearings on AI in those different sectors. So that tells you it'll touch everything. And so as I guess, Darren, what's, then the question then becomes, what should a company be doing knowing that pretty much Congress is laser focused on this? If you're trying to skate to the puck, first, in the short term, know that the puck is lingering around these kind of tort claims and what plaintiffs' lawyers and perhaps state AGs could could start doing right now with existing law, as we were just discussing. But where is it headed? Well, you can see the framework that that Biden's been setting up. And in Congress, what they're doing is exactly what the Biden administration is doing. They're trying to learn right now. So that means while they're figuring this out and figuring out what the law ought to look like, they're listening to people. So now is the time, if you're concerned about it, to understand what it is your company is going to do or your entity is, is, is going to do and how this might impact them and what you can do to address some of the major concerns about biases, privacy, uh, cybersecurity. Have those ideas and engage and help shape this law. Don't sit back and wait for, for it to be done to you. If you're in Washington, we have a 
a, a phrase. If you're not at the table, you're on the table. So, you know, a lot of folks sit back, let the law settle without any input, then later feel badly that policymakers didn't understand some of these pitfalls that we later call unintended consequences that still have to be fixed later on. And Darren, isn't that part of your practice? It absolutely is part of my practice. That's what we do. We help clients navigate these processes. So I get the information. I talk to people at the White House. I talk to people in these committees in Congress. I monitor what they're doing and can help clients have those discussions. And, and, And Darren, it's not like you are flying in from another city. You are actually stationed in Washington, D.C. That's right. And you've been there for 13 years. I moved there to start the government strategy practice at a different firm in 2010, but I split time between my L.A. and Washington offices to do this same stuff 10 years before I moved. So, yeah, it's been almost it's been over 20 years now that I've been doing this and I've seen it happen. You can have your voice heard in how this law gets shaped as opposed to waiting to see what it does to you. And can you talk about I think we talked about this last night. I think it was fascinating. There is a pattern that emerges, right? Although AI technology is, this is groundbreaking. You, you, you have these instances where you have technology emerge or you have issues emerge, and there's a pattern in Washington, right? That understanding, maybe passing. Can you just talk about, I don't think people understand what that pattern might be of, you know, how this gets deliberated and what the impact might be. Yeah, well, what they do is they try and figure out, A, what are we trying to accomplish here? So as they look at AI, they see some of the awesome promise of it. And they want to make sure that they're supporting this innovation that can solve all kinds of society's problems. They want AI to develop, but they want it to develop responsibly. They know there's risks. So they're going to try to manage those risks. And what our government often tries to do is, is, is be cautious and balance these things out. But they're also doing it at the same time that other governments in the you know around the world are doing it. They're, they're also, what I, I think, like to make sure that we have a proper, responsible framework so that these businesses can thrive and AI isn't left to other other governments that we might consider rivals. So they're really trying to get it right here. So they're being cautious, but they're trying to get it right. And there's an opportunity right now to skate to that puck and to actually help shape the direction of the puck. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that the Biden administration is really focused on not stifling that innovation, but the discrimination and bias potential in AI systems and the cybersecurity. And on that discrimination and bias, there is a whole now industry about alignment research and understanding how to, because we don't have bias and discrimination defined. And I think we're, we're still trying to de- figure out you know, you talk to any data scientists, they don't know if a bias is being in a large language model until they ask the proper question. And then they get an answer that sort of signals it. And so I think you're also going to see a whole industry and companies. You talk about, Mary, you said, you know, getting ahead of your defenses. Do you have an alignment re- research group, including your AI compliance specialists? Are you, how are you making sure your data is clean uh, with your models? And, and how do you, how are you making sure that your stakeholders that you partner with are doing the same? I think that, I think that's really key because if those, def- a plaintiff's bar will say the Biden executive order has laid the blueprint for the issues you need to be concerned about. And you guys ignored that and you still 
did what you're what it did it anyway or ignored these issues, you kind of undermine your defenses. You absolutely undermine your defenses. It's just like if you do an equal pay audit and then you take it up to the board of directors and they go, oh, no, we don't have the money to fix that. It's something that you have to be very cognizant of how you are addressing any particular issue. And I think that there's additional serious risks with AI because you also have copyright risks, for example, right? You have film, you have books, you have artwork that could be incorporated into an AI model. And if a company is collecting that type of data, what are the copyright concerns? And then you also have the accuracy concerns, for example, that can lead into bias. And one of my favorite examples is AI learning that white males should be CEOs because in the past, historically, most CEOs have been white males. So the technology learned, oh, that's what a CEO is. It's a white male, which is inaccurate and shows that bias. But then to correct for that, to show that that's not the case, what happens? And then is the information being collected actually accurate? And how do you fix that type of perception? And how do you, you know, fix it here in the U.S. where you have an administration that's concerned with it, yet around the world, we can't expect every nation to be as committed as we are here in the West. And I think that leads into another, you know, my my cyber, our cybersecurity colleagues may disagree with my next point, but... You talk to some people in the field and they say cybersecurity is dead and maybe not the legal field, but we, we know that we have data privacy laws, HIPAA in the financial services area and that cybersecurity, if there's a breach, you got to notify. The scary thing about AI now is that you can have AI that intrudes, hacks your information and not only hacks your information, but then could if you have an, a large language model that you're using, modify it and you don't even know. So not only has your information been breached, not only has it been hacked, you may not know, or it could corrupt your your data. And so I think this is another thing that companies need to consider is that if you are using AI tools, you gotta, you gotta look at your cybersecurity. And you know I've been in, in discussions with a lot of cybersecurity startups who are using AI to combat AI. And I think this brings up a next another point that I want to discuss with you all, that understanding that problem now requires legal to talk with the CISOs and not just stay in their silos. And I think this is different from other times where it was the internet or cloud, legal would say, oh yeah, whatever, make sure we don't violate the law. This is different because you really have to have different tools to make sure that the laws are not being violated. And that requires legal to get out of its silo with uh, the data security folks. And so I think companies are going to have to bridge those gaps. And I think that's one of the things we've been advising them on is get out of your silos on this issue. Everybody's got to be more multidisciplinary and see across the silos. That's exactly right. To be effective. Well, silos were a huge problem in the data breach world when that started to emerge early 2000s. And you had exactly as Sean described it, you had legal doing their thing and then you had other people doing their thing and they weren't really talking to each other. AI is going to move so much faster and exponentially. It is critical 
that companies get out of those silos. And I think that they learned, at least from this data breach world, that that was not a healthy way to be and that there were changes made to get out of the silos. Hopefully that will continue. But all of this requires expertise. And one of the questions I have is, is there enough talent in the United States? Are our universities uh, cranking out graduates who know AI, can speak AI, can go into these jobs and be effective? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's, I don't know that point, but that, but where we can, I think where we add value to our clients is recognizing those blind spots, right? That they need that AI compliance specialist. That one of the things that we are, we can offer our clients is, I think you have to treat AI compliance and AI issues as like an audit, like you would with the FCPA, OFAC, sanctions, a compliance audit, and go in and 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 say you need this person, you have this vulnerability, and then this is the other important point, Josh, and this is an important point. Go with law firms that are talking to the scientists who are talking to the people in the industry because it can help facilitate that point of like, well, this university has a lot of graduates in this space or this university is dealing with this. And that's why I think it's important that what what I've been doing is I've been talking to the startups, been talking to the universities, talking to the scientists so that when you have clients ask those questions, you can, you know, get out of my legal silo and help them along. So it sounds like what you're describing, Sean, is actually going into companies and advising them before they have a problem to help them build up their defenses, both, both from a legal standpoint and otherwise, to make sure that they're ready for this new AI world. Yeah. Well, even before then, right. going into the new companies, figuring out what their capabilities are, what their vulnerabilities are, how they can be part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem, and having them help shape the direction of the policy on this. And have them develop a roadmap, both from a policy perspective, as well as a legal compliance perspective, as well as the very practical business perspective. So it's a 360-degree perspective, and it's, it's holistic, and it starts now, not after you see what the law is. You can actually take a look at yourself internally, do your own audit, then go out and be part of developing what this law will look like, just like some of these companies that are working with the White House right now. You know, Amazon and those guys are already in there. So you mentioned Amazon, and I've heard, because I've been following AI bit, it seems like Amazon, Google, Elon Musk, big companies are in there at the table trying to shape this thing. But where are the small companies, the small businesses, the mid-sized businesses? Are they at the table? They should be. Those strike me as the businesses that you know, need assistance the most. They, they, they ought to be. And, and I'll tell you now, some of them are because these things are happening at the congressional level. So some of these, these representatives that are on these committees have these companies in their districts and they are talking to them. I know that. I, I know some of these folks and I know that, that, that they're out trying to figure out their constituents and what they think of this. But the, the ones that you're hearing about today and that, and that you see you know, hear us talk about when the White House issues an executive order, it, it are the big ones because they're trying to make sure that they have this cautious, balanced approach 
and that's who they're talking to. And they're, and they're getting these companies to engage in the conversation and also in self-regulatory behavior to build that consensus together. So it's really healthy what they're doing, but you're right. We ought to make sure that all the small businesses and, well, anybody concerned is also at the table. And, you know, another point, and I don't think a lot of medium to small companies realize this, is that they're sitting on a lot of valuable data. And there is going to be a marketplace to sell that. There already is a marketplace to sell that data. And data was the new oil a while ago. It's even more so now because data changed these large language models. And so even if you're a company that is, I can guarantee that small companies that or medium-sized companies who are not necessarily growing their own model, they're thinking about selling that data right? They're thinking about selling that data to the Googles, the Amazons, the Microsoft, and others. And that triggers the question of, are we violating BIPA? Are we, are we violating data privacy laws? Are we doing that sell in such an ethical way that we don't get in trouble? I mean, the, this, the Consumer Fraud Protection Bureau has already said that they want to start regulating data brokers to try and bring them in. And so in this ecosystem of the marketplace, it's not just about companies who are using AI it has also got to include those companies who are thinking about selling their data to train these large language models because there's a huge market for that and there's a lot of money to be made. That is the new oil. Yeah, I, I would I would caution from our experience in the BIPA world that the vast majority of companies that are getting sued and have gotten hit have been small and mid-sized businesses. There have been restaurants, there have been uh, companies involved in the hotel industry, staffing industries, and the like. So I would really, uh, my bit of advice would be small companies, mid-sized businesses who are listening to this podcast, make sure you're at the table with AI. Well, and, and let's not forget about the states. We've, we've been talking a lot about the federal government and talking a lot about the plaintiff's bar. But I understand that you know, this year, roughly 200 bills have been introduced in approximately a dozen states, you know, enacting some type of AI legislation. Uh, and I know California has really been moving to implement its uh, Privacy Protection Act with this Privacy Protection Board, uh, where, where they initially seem to be regulating how businesses can use AI in decisions like housing, hiring, and for loans. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. There's a lot of commenting and debate that's going to have to go on over the next year on this, but everybody ought to, ought to stay tuned. And that's exactly right. I mean, we're recording this, and a couple of days from now, the California Privacy Protection Agency is going to have a hearing on, on their automated decision-making technology and requiring companies to get consent before they can use certain of that data with AI. You're absolutely right. And in addition to the federal and the federal system, you got to watch about for these patchwork of state laws. Because as BIPA, as we talked about in the last podcast, just because it's Illinois, just because it's California, you could get dragged in there. You can, that there could be a hook to drag you in. And so you got to pay attention to this. So I think that means you need to skate to the puck. Skate to the puck. Take a role in shaping laws that matter to you. We, we have the right to petition our government. And there are people out here that help clients navigate this and have their voice heard. 
Well, and I think that we as a firm are very fortunate to uh, have you, Darren, on the legislative side and having all of that knowledge. And Sean, certainly on the AI side, I call you Mr. AI for a reason, uh, because you have been so embedded in it for that so long. That shirt is getting made. Uh, no, no. I, I like one of those. Your, your vanity plate hasn't arrived yet? Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, and, and I appreciate Mary and Josh, you joining us on our inaugural podcast. I think the, uh, you know, the only question left before we sign off is how the Bears are going to do this weekend. Does anyone know? Does anyone care? Is, is, is... I, I'm trying to see if we can get AI to help yep. the Bears management actually nurture their terrific quarterback. And I'm not going to say who, but there is a person <laughs> who is sitting at the table of this podcast who is a Packers fan. And, and I'll ask, how are the Packers going to do this uh, this weekend? Do you know? You know, I, I, I wouldn't know. I uh, know nothing about football sitting over here. I may be from Wisconsin, but um, certainly should not make any Bears Packers comments. <laughs> well, I think that just proves, I think that proves that as I married into a Bears family and maybe someone here at this table is a Packers fan, that we are able to ex- coexist in the same space and, and, and solve our clients' problems. And so I, I think we'll just leave it at that and maybe have another podcast uh, later on about um, who's a better lawyer based on the teams that they root for. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but with that, I appreciate your all's time and uh, stay tuned to next podcasts uh, involving BIPA and obviously stay tuned to our next podcast series, Skating to the Puck um, and listening how we can uh, help you navigate these complex legal issues. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thanks again. Thanks again.